between the shadows of reality and the fringe of our own fears lurks a world of monsters. Strange creatures and frightening phantoms who test the very boundaries of our science and superstition. It's a realm of mystery and legend, a place of fact and fear. This is Monstro Bizarro. I know, I know. There's nothing out here. There's it, it, calm down. It was it's not, over videotaping. It was not a person. I think it was back there. It, it, it crossed. Yeah. <laughs> it was back there, Charlie. It was not a person. It was not a person. audio is the actual real reaction of two witnesses who saw something huge and hairy walk across the road in broad daylight. The incident was too quick and unexpected to capture it on video, but they had the wherewithal to turn around and begin filming as they looked for further signs of the creature in the trees along the side of the road. This audio is from that film. They are sisters, and this is their very emotional reactions to seeing something that, by all accounts, is not supposed to exist. And if you think this kind of thing would not be shocking, even in the daylight, just listen to their voices. The sighting was disturbing then, and it's disturbing even now. I was lucky to have met them, by chance, when they dropped into the legendary Monster Mart in Valk, Arkansas, one afternoon while I was there. The story that unfolded as I spoke to these two women was simply jaw-dropping. Their encounter is one of the most credible and intriguing of any I've ever investigated. And it just so happens to have taken place in prime skunk ape territory. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Lyle Blackburn. And on this episode, we'll resume our trek into the wilds of the Sunshine State, where sightings of mysterious ape-like creatures have become legendary. Known as skunk apes, these are the Bigfoot of Florida. The sisters are Darlene Watley and Charlene Dijon. I've spoken to them several times over the years and now consider them friends since that day when our paths crossed in such an unlikely way. I recently spoke to both women and asked them to summarize the events of their encounter, which took place on September 11th, 2016, in the area of Cedar Key along the western coast of Florida. It was a week after the hurricane went through Cedar Key. And we were, we went to a cruise in Miami, so we drove down to Miami. And so on the way back, we just decided to go, you know, like on a leisurely road trip on the way back and go through Cedar Key. We thought we were gonna eat lunch there. But when we got there, it was just a mess. We couldn't find a place to eat or anything like that. So we didn't stay very long. So there's a main road going into Cedar Key. So we decided, well, we've already been down that road, and we'll just go this other one on the way out. I think about 10 minutes outside of Cedar Key, and Charlene's driving, and I'm kind of looking to the right, like, 
you know, um, just observing all the water that's standing. It was just really, everything was just a mess it was from, the, really, really from, the, from the hurricane. I'm driving along, probably going about 60 miles an hour, I would think. Not too fast, because we're, like I said, we were just kind of cruising through. And um, I'm coming out of this large left curve. I suddenly, I see this, something in the road, and I, my mind just can't even process it, you know? But I said, what the, is that? And I saw him in the middle of the road, and he actually turned and looked at me. So I saw his face. I can't remember the exact details of his face, but I feel like we made eye contact. I mean, it was, it was just, I don't know. It was such a, a moment. Shock. Shock. And then when I said that, she looked that about that time, he had looked at me at already and turned around. So she never, she didn't see the front of him. She saw the back. Yeah. When I saw him, he was, one foot was still on the pavement and yeah. one foot was in the grass. And it was like, in two more steps and he was, he was gone. He was in the woods. It happened that quick, but it wasn't quick enough. Like it wasn't so fast that I didn't register what I saw. Okay. Yeah, and it was a bright, sunny day. There was nothing between us and him. No, sunny day, clear day, middle of the day. Yeah. I think I went into shock and because I honestly feel like he disappeared. He just disappeared. And I'm like, how can something so large just disappear into these, into this swamp? I mean, it's flooded even more so than it usually is, and it's the water's almost up to the road. There's no way. A human being wearing a costume could right. just jump off into that water and keep going. He would be bogged down and he'd be stuck. And, and, and on top of that, it was it was so large. I mean, that was, yeah, it, it happened so fast, but I got a good look at him because he was actually right in my, you know, sight for the longest time when I rounded that curve. He did not hear me coming. That Prius was so quiet, and I think it or he started here. It kind of, I think it kind of uh, maybe startled him for a minute. Just the fact that I was able to sneak up on him. When I saw it, it when I it was, I saw it from the side, and I I believe it was all, at least eight feet tall, and the shoulders at the top, it really didn't have a neck. Um, it was kind of like the shoulders and the head just kind of went in together. But the shoulders were at least three feet at the top. Black, I made black my hair, yeah, okay. and long, uh, like brown, uh, blackish hair, and then it had the gray mat that was hanging off of its arm. And I think I remember that so clearly is because that's the first thing I saw was that shoulder the size of an uh, of a bowling ball, and um, he had to have weighed, I I bet you four hundred pounds. Just with all that muscle and size, well, he had. He looks ragged though. I mean, with the hair hanging on. He his did arm. have that. He had this, like you know. I just remember it's like it's a picture in my head. There was like the gray eyes and tips. Right. <laughs> well, it was kind of like a little matted hanging, but his. It. I, I can see that size of that shoulder, and then the back was at least three feet wide. I can't even. When I'm trying to tell people about how big it was I just can't it, it almost feels like I um, it's hard to it's, it's hard, hard to, to describe but I know this thing was very very large 
there is no way in the world that could be a costume. Costume out in the middle of nowhere. Didn't we're on a road? We hadn't seen anybody in what 10, 15 minutes. We didn't after see a hurricane. We didn't have phone reception. But I'm telling you right now, they are out there. This thing really exists. Encounters like the one Charlene and Darlene experienced have been reported in many parts of Florida and even in the surrounding states. In part one of this podcast, we established that the history of so-called skunk apes goes back many years, first by word of mouth and later documented in newspapers and other print media. The area where the sisters saw the strange creature is located about halfway down the southern peninsula of the state on the far western side. It's located within Levy County, where other reports have been logged over the years. Three years prior to the sisters' sighting, two men were driving south on Highway 19 in Levy County when a large, upright creature ran into the road and stopped at the center line. It was dark, but the driver had the high-beam headlights on as they had been watching carefully for deer, which were occasionally spotted along the side of the road. The animal, that now stood in the middle of the road, was tall and human-like, yet covered in dark hair. They were driving 55 miles per hour, so the driver immediately hit the brakes. They nearly hit the animal before it darted back into the woods. The men were too frightened to turn around and attempt to look for the animal again. In 2005, Aza Dawson and Jesse Mouse believed they saw a skunk ape while hiking in the nearby Gothi State Forest. Incidents in the region seem to be prevalent. Levy County is located just east of the Akala National Forest, where I chased something into the Paul Meadows, and northwest of the Green Swamp, where there's also a long history of sightings. The Green Swamp is 560,000 acres consisting of flatlands, low ridges, and wetlands whose drainage creates the headwaters for four major rivers. It's one of the largest swamps in Florida. As I've discovered with other marshy woodlands, strange stories of hairy hominoids tends to bubble to the surface on a regular basis. Early stories in the area date back to at least the 1950s, with old-timers telling tales of ape-like things in and around the Green Swamp. By the 1970s, these bizarre sightings were gaining publicity. In 1974, a young man saw what he described as a very large, upright monkey in Polk County at the southern end of the Green Swamp. He was sitting outside with his father around sunset when they heard the sound of wood being chopped or tapped just behind their house. We stood up and looked to see if we could see anything behind the house when something that looked like a very large upright monkey crawled into one of the pine trees and jumped to another one. It looked around for a moment and jumped down what must have been 20 feet. It was about 6 or 7 feet tall with brown hair covering its entire body. Sort of a gorilla type animal, though skinnier in build. We were only about 250 feet from the tree, so there was no mistake about what we saw. It eventually moved out of sight, deeper into the trees. 
In 2004, Jennifer Ward was driving through the green swamp in northern Polk County when she caught sight of a haunting human-like figure in a drainage ditch. It was covered in dark hair or fur and had whitish rings around its eyes. It raised its head as she approached. It looked like it was doing something, Ward said. Whenever it saw me, it probably took on the facial expression I had on because I was dumbfounded. It just watched me as I drove by. As with other Florida witnesses, Ward was confident it wasn't a bear. She had never placed much stock in the reality of the skunk ape, but now she was forced to rethink her position. I didn't really think it existed, but now I'm convinced, she admitted. A few years later, in 2008, a hunter in Polk County was watching for deer one evening when he observed a five to six foot tall animal eating persimmons from a tree. He watched it for several minutes before it stood up and walked off on two legs. Upon observing the animal's gait and movements, the hunter was convinced it was a skunk ape. I visited the green swamp a few years ago and can attest to the rugged, wild environment where large animals can and do flourish. Much of the area remains untouched by humans aside from maintaining the valuable ecology there. The area contains a variety of habitat types such as sand hills, flatwoods, oak hammocks, river swamps, and cypress ponds. I could easily imagine a small population of undocumented creatures surviving there with only occasionally being seen. The Florida Wildlife Commission may not agree, at least publicly, but I wouldn't be surprised if they know more than they are letting on. In the years since the skunk ape first captured media attention, reports of these mysterious anthropoids have continued to seep from the swampy marshes of the Everglades in the southern regions of the state. One such report was fielded by my friend David Bukhara, who owns the amazing Expedition Bigfoot Museum in northern Georgia. It occurred in the spring of 1995 when a man, who will identify as R.K., and a few of his friends took a trip to the Flamingo Campground located within the Everglades National Park. After camping, boating, and hiking, the men decided to take a short nap near the camp's entrance before driving back to their home in Miami. About an hour into his nap, R.K. was awakened by one of the other guys who was in a state of panic. He motioned to R.K. not to make a sound as he pointed to the driver's side window. R.K. slowly turned his head to see an ape-like creature trying to peer into the glass just inches from where his head had been moments before. The window of his car was heavily tinted, so it was possible to see out, but the creature could not see in. R.K. and the other men were both shocked and horrified. The creature had a huge face with a large, broad nose and hair covering everything but the eyes and cheeks. It was apparently breathing heavily, and the moisture from its breath fogged the outside of the glass. The ape-like creature peered into the window for what seemed like several minutes. The men simply watched in disbelief, trying to figure out just what it was. 
It looked somewhat like a gorilla, but was definitely not a gorilla or any other type of ape they had ever seen. The creature finally moved away from the car and walked to a dumpster about 15 feet away where it began rummaging through the garbage. At this point, they got a look at its whole body. R.K. explained that, quote, It had very long arms and was over six feet tall, covered in a reddish-brown, blondish fur that was shaggy-looking. The men watched as the ape-like thing continued to sift through the garbage, apparently looking for food. It occasionally paused to nibble on something before resuming its digging. At one point, it picked up a McDonald's bag and ripped it apart before throwing it on the ground. After a while, the thing gave up and headed off into the swampy prairie that surrounded the parking lot. R.K. wished he could have taken a photo, but his cell phone at the time did not include a camera. The only camera they had was in the trunk of their car with the rest of their luggage, and nobody wanted to get out to grab it while the creature was present. R.K. has never forgotten the incident and was happy to share the details with David when he visited the museum. As for going back to the Flamingo campground, he would definitely have to think twice about that. On the evening of November 11th, 2010, a driver traveling along the outskirts of the Everglades saw a hairy bipedal figure cross the road in three huge strides. It was after dark, at around 10.30 p.m., but the thing was visible in the headlights as it came out of the swamp on one side of the road and ran into a thicket on the other. It never looked in the direction of the car. The man sped away, wondering what kind of animal he had just seen. This is very similar to the sighting by Darlene and Charlene. The fact that multiple witnesses keep reporting the same type of behavior in my opinion, lends credibility to the whole case. In November 2012, Albert Collins was target shooting in the Everglades west of Broward County when he caught sight of a man-like ape standing behind a tree looking at him. It stood upright on two legs and appeared to be approximately six and a half feet tall with dark brown hair covering its body. Its face was an eerie mix of ape and human. It was enough to send Collins running for his car. The Big Cypress area of the Everglades still remains a focal point for these encounters, and perhaps that makes the most sense. The area has swaths of solid ground with huge pines mingled with miles of swampy waters and shadowy corners where just about anything could hide. One evening in December of 2014, a hunter and his nephew were walking out of the Big Cypress when they saw something they would never forget. They were cutting through the woods towards the Tamiami Trail when they came to a clearing. At that point, the hunter's nephew decided to run ahead so he could take a look at the other end of the field before they continued to the trail. As he did so, the hunter happened to look back at the area where they had just come from. When he did, he was startled to see a large, upright figure. The figure was large, bulky, and had arms that hung down to its knees. It walked upright, yet looked like an ape. 
The hunter became frightened and immediately called to his nephew, urging him to come back quickly. He never took his eyes off the thing. It just stood lingering in the trees. The hunter considered taking a shot at it, but decided it was too risky. What if it was a man in some kind of costume or ghillie suit? He didn't want to take a chance. When his nephew returned, he took one look at the thing and they both started running. By the time they reached the trail, nightfall had effectively engulfed the area. To their relief, a man came by on a four-wheeler and stopped to give them a ride to their car. After conversing, the man invited them to eat dinner with some friends at his nearby hunting club. During dinner, the witness worked up the courage to ask if anyone else had seen something resembling an ape in Big Cypress. Their host simply grinned and warned the hunter and his nephew to never go out there alone at night. We might wonder why a hunter has never shot one of these things and ended the mystery once and for all. It would seem like an easy thing to do. It's standing there and you're armed with a rifle. But think for a minute what it would be like if you were in that position. Would you want to take a chance, even a slim chance, that it's actually a human instead of an unknown animal? And if not... What if the caliber of bullet does not drop the creature? Would it be startled or become angry and start coming for you? Given the brute strength of a chimpanzee, which is five times that of a man, something the size of a skunk ape could surely tear you apart if it wanted to. So it's easy to say that a hunter could solve the mystery, but another thing, if you were the hunter in that position... In other words, seeing something like that and grasping the reality of it while you try to make a split-second decision. And that's pretty much what all hunters whom I've interviewed have told me. It just didn't look like anything I'd ever seen. I thought at first it might be some kind of a wild man. I couldn't tell all that hair just what it was. I changed my shells and my shotgun. Squirrel shot to my buck shot. More for my protection than anything else. If I'd have had my rifle, I believe I could have knocked him down easy. But I doubt if I would have. Because I kept thinking there's just a chance it might be a man. And if I'd have shot that thing, it turned out to be a man, I'd have had to live with that the rest of my life. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. <sighs> visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In the previous episode, I discussed the famous skunk ape photos that were said to have been taken in the area of Mayaka on the western edge of the Everglades in 2000. Since that time, the area has yielded only a few reports suggesting that if there were a concentration of skunk apes living there, they have now moved deeper into the marshy swamps. However, a new set of photos roused interest in 2013. The photos, along with a video, were the result of an alleged multiple witness sighting that occurred on March 2, 2013, in the Mayaka River State Park. That afternoon, 45-year-old Mike Falconer and his son Justin were driving in the park when they spotted a large, dark figure moving across a savanna. Mike pulled to the side of the road and stopped. He and his son jumped out of the car and started shooting video with their iPhones. As they were filming, other drivers began to pull over and get out of their cars. It was becoming a scene. Realizing they were too far away for a quality shot, Falconer and his son started walking through the high grass towards the figure. At this point, they turned off the video feature and began shooting a series of still photos. The resulting images, which were posted along with a video on YouTube, appeared to show a hairy, upright figure. Park rangers acknowledged the presence of bears in the area, which may provide a possible explanation although the animal is standing upright, at least when the shots were taken. A person in a suit cannot be ruled out either, but it seems unlikely that a person would remain visible for so long, considering a risk. Ultimately, the shots were taken from too far away and are too grainy to make any definitive conclusions. The only way to clear up the matter would be to examine photos taken by the other witnesses, The Falconer video briefly shows a woman taking photographs with a telescopic lens, which would likely result in a much clearer image despite being taken at a greater distance. But as things go in the pursuit of these mystery animals, these photographs have yet to surface. Bill Arnold was on a lonely stretch of road in northwest Florida, when he caught sight of a hairy, upright figure. At about 6.30 p.m., the 52-year-old bike shop owner was driving through Tate's Hill Forest on its way to St. George Island when a large, dark animal ran into the road on two legs. It was uh, one day about this same time last summer, around 6.30 p.m., when I spotted something large and dark crossing the road on two legs. Now when I first saw it, I thought it must be a bear. As I got closer and closer, I thought it might be a hunter. And then I realized it couldn't be human either. It was just too big, probably eight feet tall, and it had hair pretty much from top to bottom. Before disappearing into the woods, it briefly glanced back at Arnold's approaching truck. 
When it turned, its torso turned too. The animal had virtually no neck. It looked strong and powerful. The thought gave him the chills as he continued down the lonely road, surrounded by miles of trees. The impressive forestry of Tate's Hell is just east of the winding Apalachicola River, which extends from northern Georgia all the way through Florida's panhandle. As one of the most significant basins in the southeast, it's not surprising that a number of alleged skunk ape incidents have been reported along its curves over the years. One such incident stands out from the rest, however, as it yielded not only an intriguing image, but represents an advance in consumer technology that may eventually shed light, so to speak, on the mystery. On the night of May 8, 2012, Stacy Brown Sr. and Stacy Brown Jr. were camped along Torreya State Park, just east of the Apalachicola. They were there for the specific purpose of Bigfoot research. In a conversation with Stacy Brown Jr., he told me he was hoping to lure in one of the creatures by sitting in camp and playing loud rock music while he and his dad occasionally walked the perimeter and scanned the area with a thermal vision imager. The device works by detecting infrared radiation, typically emitted from a heat source, to render a picture for video output. It would allow them to see, and video, any warm-blooded creatures in the darkness, even if they couldn't be seen by the naked eye. Sometime after midnight, the Browns were startled by a distinct knocking sound not far from the camp. It was loud enough to be heard over the music. The park was deserted except for the two of them, so they felt sure it wasn't another camper. Brown grabbed the thermal imager as the two men headed out in the direction of the knocks. As they walked, the knocks continued periodically just ahead, as if whatever was making the sound was moving deeper into the forest. The elder Brown didn't believe in the skunk ape and was merely there to spend time with his son, but he couldn't deny the fact that something was making deliberate sounds, much like what Cindy and I experienced in the Ocala National Forest. As Brown scanned the area ahead with the imager, he finally saw something with a heat signature behind a tree. The setting on the device was such that anything emitting heat would register as black against the contrasting white background. The tree trunk registered as white, while the heat source behind it was black. Brown immediately hit the record button. As he watched and recorded, the black figure stepped from behind the tree and was walking to the right. It was only visible for a few seconds before it disappeared again behind some brush, but it was long enough to clearly see a huge upright figure walking on two legs. The sight was unnerving. Brown immediately turned to his son and told him they needed to get out of the area. Brown Jr. was undaunted, but nonetheless complied with his father's wishes. The resulting video sequence is interesting. Unlike many blurry, blobby, or shadowy Bigfoot photos, there's no doubt that this is either a Sasquatch or a human. In order to discern which, 
the Browns returned to the site several times in the daylight to take measurements and to create a video comparison with a known human using the same imager. The trail where they recorded the footage was familiar to Brown Jr., so he was able to locate the exact spot where the encounter had occurred. As a result of numerous calculations to estimate the height, shoulder width, and step stride, conducted by multiple individuals, including Cliff Berrickman, cast member of Finding Bigfoot, the figure appears to be significantly larger than typical human proportions. Though this conclusion must allow for a margin of error, when combined with the low probability of a tall, bulky human sneaking around in the dark woods that night, and the credibility of the brown story, it's hard to completely dismiss the possibility of a brief glimpse at a creature that, by all accounts, would have been invisible in the darkness. Perhaps, technology will eventually catch up with the legends. One final example of a skunk ape encounter comes from a wildlife biologist. A witness such as this, one who is a trained wildlife observer, is about as credible as they come. His encounter took place on November 24, 2013, in the Cypress Creek Wildlife Preserve located near Tampa in Hillsborough County. This is from his published account. First, I'll start with the fact that I've never put much stock into the Bigfoot phenomenon. I have degrees in wildlife management and wildlife biology, and I've been working as a biologist for the last 17 years. I've never believed that something could exist that has never left any concrete evidence. Furthermore, nothing similar has ever been found in the fossil record that I know of, so that has led me to believe it was all false until this weekend. I was hiking at Cypress Creek Preserve. I was walking on one of the rather wide trails and I came to a stop because I heard a noise. I had seen quite a few wild pigs that morning and I thought I could photograph one crossing the trail in front of me. I was looking down my camera adjusting the ISO settings and I saw something large move out of the corner of my eye approximately 200 feet away. As soon as I saw the movement, I looked directly at it, and it was already halfway across the trail at this point. My eyes were directly on the animal as it walked, upright, across the rest of the trail and into the palmettos. It was very large, at least six feet tall or more, completely black in color with a very wide chest from front to back. It was walking completely upright in a very fast pace. The animal was leaning forward slightly, but did not seem awkward with its steps, like a bear would be while walking upright. I slowly walked over to the spot where I saw it cross, and I could still hear it moving through the woods in the distance. I immediately noticed that all the birds around me had stopped chirping, and the insects had stopped making noise as well. I looked for tracks or hair left on the plants in the area, but found nothing. I was able to get a picture of the palmetto on the trail where it crossed, and I put my tripod near it for height comparison. I am extremely knowledgeable about wildlife in Florida, but I cannot explain what type of animal I saw this past weekend. 
It can certainly be hard to explain an event like that in rational terms. If you have never seen anything like this, it may be hard to imagine or accept. But if you have, then no one can convince you these things don't exist. Just ask Charlene and Darlene. sound means it's time to grab some listener mail. I have a question here from Michael Ramos. Michael writes, Concerning the Yeren of China, the Yeti of the Himalayas, or any other ape-like cryptids of Asia, to your knowledge, has anyone ever looked into the records or writings concerning the animal collections or royal zoos that were in existence for the pleasure of the emperors or any other such rulers? That's an interesting question, and one that pertains to the recording history of cryptids all over the world. For those unfamiliar, the Yeren are the Bigfoot creatures said to live in China, while the Yeti, of course, is a hairy hominid said to live in the Himalaya mountain range in the area of Nepal, a country located in South Asia. I personally have never heard any stories regarding emperors coming into the possession of one of these creatures. The closest thing might be the alleged Yeti scalp in the possession of a Buddhist monastery in Nepal. There's been some controversy surrounding the biology of this specimen, but it appears to have been made from the hide of a Himalayan sarau, a goat-like animal indigenous to the area. I don't know of any stories that claim a live specimen of any kind has been in the possession of royalty. Not to say there aren't such stories, but when it comes to researching cases from other countries, it presents a definite challenge due to the language barrier and access to newspapers and other sources that may not have been translated or disseminated outside of that country. It's taken me several years to collect much of the skunk ape history from various historical newspapers, so doing so in China or other parts of Asia is even more difficult. If anyone knows of such a story, please send it my way. Thanks for the question. If you would like to submit one, visit the podcast page of my website at lyleblackburn.com. And I can tell you, you can give me a lie detector, whatever it takes. But I'm telling you right now, they are out there. This thing really exists. There is no way in the world that could be a costume. Costume out in the middle of nowhere. Didn't we're on a road? We haven't seen anybody in what 10, 15 minutes. We didn't after see a We didn't have phone reception. They are out there. This thing really exists. I was at a store recently where I noticed a six-pack of craft beer called Legend of the Skunk Ape. And this was in Texas. So the legend and persona of Florida's elusive skunk ape is certainly well established by this point. These kind of products are fun, but the question remains, do these creatures actually exist? And if they do, are they some kind of Bigfoot or some kind of other unknown species of ape? 
or something else altogether. While some descriptions might suggest that skunk apes are more apish or wild and hairy than a traditional Bigfoot, when it gets down to it, there seems to be little discernible difference. Just like Bigfoot, they are typically described as being large, covered in hair, and have the ability to walk upright on two legs. To me, it's just a matter of location and culture where the regional name gives it some unique flair beyond the ubiquitous Bigfoot. It's certain, however, that these creatures, if they exist, live in a far different environment than their hairy cousins from the Pacific Northwest. The northern west coast environments are far more forested, mountainous, or snowy than a Florida swamp. So for that reason alone, a creature might require some physical adaptations in order to survive. Florida lies within the subtropical climate band, which is more compatible to the habitats of known great apes. So the climate should not be a problem for a conceivably similar type of animal, if it is. The reported skunky odor, from which their very name has been derived, is a somewhat unique trait, although many reports of Bigfoot-like creatures across the South especially have noted something about a terrible smell. The reasons for the creature's rancid body odor have been attributed to everything from bad hygiene to a territory marker to a defense mechanism. Several known animals, including the Tasmanian Devil, Lesser Anteater, Wolverine, and of course skunks, emit pungent odors for the purpose of warning and defense, so it stands to reason that the alleged skunk ape may use it for the same purpose. However, the need to protect themselves from superior predators doesn't seem likely, so perhaps it's simply the result of a large hairy animal living in a hot, humid, and often fetid swamp environment. Maybe they just stink like some animals do. But are they animals at all? Like the greater question of Bigfoot, theories abound that these creatures are something more unexplainable, such as interdimensional beings or even aliens. No one really knows. All we know for the time being is that credible people have been seeing these things for many years. Too many credible people to simply dismiss the phenomenon out of hand. It's a mysterious world, and perhaps a little more mysterious when we're trudging through miles of reed grass and cypress trees. Anything could be out there. Anything. So next time you get a whiff of something that is rancid and skunky, and it's not a weed or a dead carcass, be sure to have your binoculars and camera at the ready. You just might be the next person to snap a photo that will have the internet buzzing about the reality of such things. A reality that, for now, is only known in the vast marshlands of Monstro Bizarro. For more information about my books, research, and other projects, 
be sure to visit lyleblackburn.com.